Welcome back to the NBA Recap Show. I'm your host, a very sick Alexander J. With me today, two healthy boys. We've got Mr. Tom Dev and Yuri Bilsic. Tom, how are you? Yeah, not not too bad. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this uh, MJ Flu Game podcast by you, Alex. <laughs> Yuri, what's going on, my man? Alex, great to be on as always. And the FIBA Basketball World Cup, we're now into the last day, right? The final and the third place playoff. It's been a fantastic tournament and can't wait to break it all down with you. Yeah, we were just talking before we hit record about Tom being a sad boy. Uh, remind me again what happened to your team last night. Yeah, my uh, AFL team, St. Kilda, got knocked out to uh, GWS, unfortunately, in the first week of finals. But look, we were expected to finish bottom four, made finals. It's all up from here, hopefully. Yuri, you're still kicking around. So next week, we'll, we'll, we'll throw to you and see if you're still happy or sad. Um, I hope so. Yeah, me too, for your sake. Look, not a lot NBA-wise, but we'll start the show with a couple of tricklings through in the NBA news. Uh, apologies if I do sneak a sniffle through the census today, dealing with COVID. Christian Wood is signed with the Lakers uh, on, a, I believe it's a two-year deal player option that second year, so it's iffy. Um, Tom, I know you had a bit to say on Christian Wood. Uh, it came out earlier in the week that Anthony Davis was again promised by the Lakers he'd play less minutes at centre. Seems to me this is exactly what's happening. Any other thoughts on that one? Christian Wood, eighth team in eight years. Yeah, it's it's funny because he was kind of just sitting there for a while. I mean, most of the big name free agents get snapped up the second it opens. Uh, and all of a sudden, now that he's in the purple and gold, he's a generational center and he's USA's <laughs> next best thing. You know, I think uh, is the NFL player Richard Sherman on uh, one of the Fox uh, TV shows was saying, comparing him to Pau Gasol and everything. Uh, yeah, look, he's... He, He's a solid three-point shooter and he's going to extend the floor, but it's just his defense isn't great. He's never been a contributor to a winning situation. And I always look at these players when they're good stats, bad team. I just, I'm not a fan of them. I, I never have been, never will be. Um, and look, yeah, Davis is just not going to play center now, apparently. Like, I thought that's where the Lakers are at their strongest. Um, and, you know, their starting lineup will probably be Gabe Vincent. Reeves, LeBron, Davis, Wood potentially, and then you got Hachimura, Russell, Hayes, Vanderbilt, Prince, Reddish off the bench. It's a deep team. It's a much better roster now than what it was a year ago. Yep. But again, it, it's. I feel like every time we talk about the Lakers, we're just going to say health, and who knows? Is Davis going to play 60 games? Is he going to play 40 games? Who knows? And unless he's out there, they're not going to really contend with Wood or without Wood, and but the whole theory with them getting Russell Westbrook all ago was saying, oh, he'll be able to take over the minutes from LeBron and stuff and he'll bring that intensity. Didn't work. Is Wood really going to go out there like, sure, he might score 30 in a game that you lose by 10. Like, yeah, is that exactly. going to help? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. So, look, I'm not over the moon as as some Lakers fans are and as some NBA people on Twitter are suggesting that it's a game-changing move. Um, I do think that they will make a trade for someone. I mean, that Russell contract is just prime for trading. They're going to get rid of him at some point. So who they bring in, we'll see. But look, I think the Lakers have every chance to be back in the conference finals, but it's not because of Christian Wood. And Christian Wood has not moved the needle for me at all. Yeah, if you haven't been paying attention, um, Yuri, I'll get your thoughts on Christian Wood in a second. Eighth team in eight years, the so knock on him's kind of been these floating um, attitudinal, maybe culture problems. Uh, but he does average between like 16 and 19 points a game over the last couple of years. I want to say in the Mavericks uniform, in a Houston uniform, I'm maybe even pushing it there. Um, Yuri, thoughts of Christian Wood in the purple gold? It's an interesting move and one that the Lakers needed to assure themselves of extra size within the front court. And it will, if they're able to, of course, if 
coach Darvin Ham decides to start both him and Anthony Davis. You'd hope that AD is probably going to cover some of Wood's deficiencies on the defensive end. When Christian was at the Milwaukee Bucks all those years ago, I think back in the 2015-16 season, he was playing for the Bucks G League affiliate team, the Wisconsin Herd, and he was bowling there. And as you mentioned, Alex, it was always within his play at various stages in terms of like attitudinal and effort in a way that sort of differentiated him in terms of not being able to get on the NBA side more regularly, in this case, the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think once he was able to change that a little bit more as the years went by and able to get those contracts with the Detroit Pistons and with Houston for that one season and, of course, last year with Dallas, the biggest part to it as well, I think more of the athleticism that he's going to provide on the offensive Mm. end, that's going to be the key because we've seen that over the last probably two or three seasons with him that he is going to provide what the Lakers probably do lack in a way with three-point shooting and we've harped on at length with the Lakers woes from downtown during how many episodes we've done so far since March in terms of their three-point shooting, which they were roughly about 30, 31 point, I think 30 or 31% I'd say from three-point land during the regular season. The playoffs was probably around the same too. So he'll cover up on that side. The other part too is you spoke about Tom with Anthony Davis and him wanting to play more power forward. And it did go that way at the Pelicans, right? When DeMarcus Cousins did his Achilles against Houston on January 26th in 2018, and they had no choice but to switch Davis to the five because if they had have left him a power forward and they most likely will have played. I think Emeka Okafor was on the Pelicans roster in that 17-18 season. And they also had Czech Diallo, if I'm not mistaken, the other center. We're going real back so, into the memory. Yeah, in. so it's only about six or seven seasons ago. But... What Alvin Gentry was always known for at that time with Davis was to play a small ball lineup. And that's where it sort of did suit Davis's strengths. We saw that first round against Portland, the second round against Golden State, which I think averaged about 26 and 12 and a half rebounds, I think, in that five-game series in the Western Conference semis. But turning back to Christian Wood and that whole dynamic with Anthony Davis, that's probably the part where the Lakers haven't had that big core unit and I won't sort of go into comparisons anyway because there's no comparison between those two and Pau Gasol and Dwight Howard from the 2012-13 season. You can't even make an argument in any case because the skill sets of both players, right, Dwight and Powell compared to Wood and Davis are two completely opposites and there's no differentiating any further in that regard. The other part I think to it as well for the Lakers this season is that small ball. And I don't think at any point you think that Anthony Davis or should I say Christian Wood will play five and LeBron at the four. That's just way too much to sort of cover the lack of rim protection in the way. Yeah, and I, I don't think, think that's, that's where, viable. No, yeah. Right. And in Dallas, right, and I think they tried doing that too. But unfortunately, that sort of really crumbled in the way once – they found out more about Christian Wood's defensive deficiencies and, of course, with Jason Kidd being the defensive coach that he is and where the side really fell away. I don't see that part happening. 
Yeah. All right. Next little piece of bite, the Trey Murphy, the third news out of New Orleans that he has a torn or partially torn meniscus, underwent surgery and is out 10 to 12 weeks. So that timeline puts him at about Christmas. So he's going to miss that start of the season. Um, Trey Murphy, the third, really good end to last season. I think I don't have it in front of me. It was about 15 points a game, um, but finished the year strong as the Pelicans surged and tried to get into the playoffs. Any major thoughts, Tom, on that one? Yuri on Trey Murphy, the third. I really liked watching him play. It's a bit of a bummer. But silver linings, maybe he uh, raises the floor mid-season for the Pels. It's a loss, right, for the three-point shooting. And the Pels didn't take too many threes last season, apart from him and CJ McCollum. They took, I think, on about average five to six or seven three-point attempts per game, shall I say. And when you take away the volume three-point shooting of him, then that's where it considerably drops for the Pels. And he got more playing time, of course, when all those injuries hit right. We talk about with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson missing, well, missing, of course, Zion missed the rest of the regular season. Brandon missed exactly two months with that toe injury, which he sustained against Memphis back on November 25th. And that's where the window of opportunity opened up for Trey Murphy. And always thought where he got drafted that he would be into a starter's role sooner than later, especially when they wanted to switch CJ McCollum over from shooting guard to point guard and, really open up more of the floor expanse, floor expanses, shall I say, for the Pelicans. And that is a loss in the way. And the other part, what this reminds me of similar is when Dirk Nowitzki, I think he had a meniscus injury, I think it was a couple, a handful of weeks before the start of the 2012-13 season. He missed until, I think it was December 23rd, I think. So that's exactly probably where the time frame is going to be for Trey Murphy's return onto the basketball court roughly around that time and, of course, that Maverick side was way different back then, and the Pelican side has way more offensive firepower than what the Mavs side that season had. And that's going to be a loss in terms of who they actually start in the shooting guard position for them. That might, maybe even like. I was going to say it might also impact um, under overs. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks as well. Coming into the season, the Pelicans really surged at the end, but a loaded Western Conference, you're missing one of your starters now. Um, look. Uh, Tom, I don't know if you've got any major thoughts on Trey Murphy III or you can pivot to the Kevin Knox re-signing news and the Trailblazers. I'll let you take your pick. Look, just on the Pelicans, I mean, when it comes to their health report, there's only one name I'm interested on to see if it is. That's very true. That's very true. (laughs) And it's Zion. And, you know, look, people forget at the start of last year, they were praising how deep this Pelicans roster was. And then all of a sudden... We get all these injuries, Zion's out, and they go from, oh, potential top four team in the West to not even making the playoffs. We'll see what happens. Uh, if Zion's not on the court, you can write them off, in my opinion. They're not going to be able to make any kind of damage. If Zion is on the court and healthy, see, like who knows? Their floor and ceiling gap is probably one of the biggest in the NBA. So we'll see. Um, on Kevin Knox, I, I couldn't really tell you anything about him since he left the Knicks, if I'm being honest. Um, look, who else is really going to be on board? I don't even know where he played last year. I, I like I follow this NBA stuff pretty bloody closely, fellas. I don't know where Kevin Knox was last year. Um, Yuri, do you know? Because I don't yeah, he know. was with he was with the Detroit Pistons last. Okay, that'd season. be why. Sorry, yep. Jack. Sorry, Jack. He's <laughs> 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 listening to the show. That'd make a lot of sense. I didn't watch a lot of Detroit last year. Um, I know you wanted to move Yuri from Kevin Knox to the Damian Lillard um, news this morning. We we call it news, but uh, do you want to tell us what Adrian Wojnarowski and ESPN are reporting? 
Yeah, so essentially Damien Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers will, if they don't find a trade resolution within the next handful of weeks, he will report to Portland Trailblazers training camp ahead of the 2023-24 season. And if they're 20 or 25 games in and if they eventually do find a suitor for Lillard's services and what they can get back in return, then they'll do the deal. That's pretty much that I've read about thus far with the Damian Lillard whole story, which has been right circulating since he requested a trade out of Portland in early July. And that's it for NBA news. There's nothing else going on. It's all World Cup (laughs) stuff. So let's move on to the FIBA World Cup. Uh, Two teams left. We have Germany playing Serbia in the World Cup final tonight, uh, Sunday evening Australia time. So if you're listening to this, uh, maybe Germany got up. But uh, we'll just go through how we got here, the results on the way, and a couple of fun stats um, so for Germany, they beat uh, Latvia in a two-point game in the quali- qualifying final and then beat the U.S. in a two-point game in the semi. Um, I don't know if either of you guys watched these Germany games, but in the qualifying final, Dennis Schroeder, my Toronto Raptor, has <laughs> been playing, honestly, might be the MVP of the tournament, had one of the worst games I've ever watched. He was four for 26 from the floor. He had two chances in the, in the, um, the final minute to put them up four and missed them both with little floaters from memory. Um, but bounced back against the US and had a really strong game. So confusing, but we'll just chalk it up to a terrible game. Um, and then against the Germany, uh, that Germany team, they just overpowered them, plain and simple. Like Andre Obst had 24. Daniel Tice, Tom for Celtics fans, had 21. Throwback Daniel Tice, Franz Wagner, 22. Um, Anthony Edwards and Austin Reeves both had more than 20 points, but like, we're just, the Americans were getting destroyed on defense. Um, Tom, did you watch either of these games with Germany? Uh, I wasn't able to watch them live, but I have seen uh, highlights and obviously read up about it a bit. Uh, look, I mean, just on Tice, I can't praise him enough. I, I really am a big fan of him. Um, and, you know, people forget he was our starting centre in that bubble playoff run and when we got to the conference finals, which um, is insane considering now that he's kind of buried on the Pacers roster. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he was injured a bit, but when he was healthy, it's not like he was getting huge minutes. But, yeah, you said 21 points, uh, 10 for 15 from the field, seven rebounds, two assists. Um, I would love him back on the Celtics personally, just as some assurance for injuries when it comes to Horford and Rob Williams and, well, now Pazingas. Um, but, look, I, I, the Pacers could generally use him as a trade trade bait at the deadline. Um, and then, look, Franz Wagner, again, 22 points, five rebounds, two assists. I mean, if I'm a Magic fan, I, I can't be more excited for this season and the future. Um, and, you know, Dennis Schroeder, I mean, you and I seem to be having the opposite effect on players because I, I, I uh, said RJ Barrett was no good and then he came out and had two games of 20-plus points and you praised Dennis Schroeder and all of a sudden he had his worst game of the tournament. But against America, you know, 17 points uh, and nine assists, which is insane. And, yeah, that He was Andres... cooking. He was absolutely cooking Austin Reeves too, like just oh, yeah. quickness to get by him. And Austin Reeves, like small guard, you know, can hold his own, but just getting cooked by Schroeder. Oh, completely. And, you know, it's funny because all the Lakers fans on Twitter are like, oh, you know, Reeves isn't the reason we lost. And then everyone's like, oh, if you actually watch the game, you'll see. On defense, he was getting hunted out a bit. But, mm. um, and, you know, that, like you said, that Andreas Ops guy, I, I hadn't really heard of him before the tournament, if I'm being honest. Um, 24 points, six assists. He sent Halliburton packing to hit that three. Um, and his passing, like I've just seen his highlights again. His passing was just off the charts. He was making some nice little bounce passes into the post. Um, and look, he plays for Bayern Munich in Germany, but I wonder if an NBA team will consider picking him up if they can. Um, but yeah, that's on, the, that's on the Germany front for me. I was going to say, that's a really good segue to the Latvian team um, on their first World Cup. So Germany is going through to the, the final undefeated. Latvia in their very first World Cup, that fairy tale run, they don't have Kristaps Porzingis. 
They do have Davis Bertans, but that's not who I want to talk about. This Arturo Sagaris kid is 23. He's six foot three. And just yesterday, he set the FIBA World Cup record for most assists in a game. He had 17 assists with zero turnovers. He's scoring 24 points against Germany. He had 22 in the game previous. He's pretty good. And I wonder if he might get a sneaky look in as well. Um, Yuri, have you spent much time watching this Latvian team or do I need to move on to Serbia? Yeah, I watched the Germany game. I think it was what, Wednesday night, by memory, was the game the quarterfinal, and that was extremely close, right? Latvia threw Davis Batan's shot lights out. I think it was 6 of 10 from downtown. And a long chance Honestly, to win it too. Oh, yes, yes. To... I was about to get to that. And I just thought there was a couple – he had a couple of teammates out onto his left side that he may have Yeah, so uh, if, if you didn't see the highlights, he did pull up about four foot behind yeah. the three-point arc with about four seconds left, like – it wasn't a catch and shoot situation. He, he could have thought he was six at ten, or he was he would have been six yeah. at nine for the night. So if you, if you're hot, you let it fly. So I couldn't mistake him for that. But there was a number of times where Germany looked as though they were going to just bridge enough of a gap, and in Latvia, I think there was one point where Germany were up by about ten at one stage, and then Latvia hit back, and there was just trading multiple blows left and right, and then it ultimately came down right to that Davis Batan's miss off. I think it was the free throws, right? And yeah, just it was tough luck, right? Because considering being without Christos Porzingis and what they're able to accomplish this tournament, just like what Montenegro were able to do, right, with Nikola Vucevic and now Serbia being back in the final for the first time since 2014 and Candice, well, although they're not going to make it to the final, they still have the opportunity to claim the silver medal, their first piece of silverware since the 36 Olympics, 1936 Olympics, shall I say. So there's still so much incentive to play for for all those sides. Even though Canada and the USA, we predicted what last on last Sunday show that they're going to make the final. I said Slovenia were going to be a dark horse to make yeah. the final, but ultimately they got knocked out. Well, I mean, Canada and the US will be playing in a final to just be for third place, and we'll touch on that in a second. Um, I mentioned Dennis Schroeder might be the fine, uh, the favorite for MVP at the moment. I'll bring his stats up in a second. The other one might be Bogdan Bogdanovich from Atlanta. Um, he's been playing lights out as well. Um, he had 21 against Lithuania in the quarterfinal as Serbia won by 20. Uh, Philip Petrusev is another name for Serbia. He had 17 points. He's been hot and cold um, this World Cup, but it looked pretty good. And then Serbia beat Canada by nine or 10 points in the semi. They shot 62% of the floor. Bogey had 23 again. Um, the Canadians looked okay in parts, like SGA only had 15. RJ Barrett had 20-something. Dylan Brooks has been good for Canada. I want to I want to fault him. I really want to fault him. We said last week that we're not going to bring him up on this podcast or on everybody, but he's had a good week in international play. Um, so my question to you guys is, who is the MVP of the FIFA World Cup? You can choose who you want. I'll give you the stats for Schroeder and Bogey, but if you want to go off board, feel free. Dennis Schroeder, 17.9 points a game, 6.7 assists per game, two rebounds and one and a half steals versus Bogdan Bogdanovic at 19.4 points per game, four and a half assists, three and a half rebounds and 2.3 steals. Germany heading into the final undefeated. I think Serbia are lost somewhere along the way from memory. Uh, Tom, have you got a pick for MVP for the FIBA World Cup? I have to go with Schroeder. I think leading that Germany team, and like you said, undefeated. Um, and, you know, anytime you take down America in basketball, it's impressive. But to do it in a, in a semi-final where all the chips are on the, on, on the table is just insane. And, you know, it's not like Germany's – it's not like it's just Schroeder and a bunch of non-league guys. Like, there are a lot of NBA players on this team. But what he's done is just impressive. And, you know, nine assists against America is is elite in any, you know, game. But to do it in a semi-final, hats off to him. 
Yuri, MVP thoughts? Yeah. Likewise as well with Tom's assessment with Dash Schroeder. Just I think throughout, even though he had that absolutely disastrous horror shooting game right against Lafayette where he only shot what? I think it was like four of twenty or something. Four of twenty six. Yeah, yeah, four of twenty six. It was Wow, it was almost as worse as John Stark's two of 18 game against the Houston Rockets back in the 94 NBA Finals, right? I think it was game six by memory or game seven, game seven, shall I say, of that finals that year. And what he was able to do, I think he hit two very important shots though late and really, even though his shot wasn't falling, right, he still was aggressive. And that's all he can count for, right? I think any coach tells you that even if you shoot, even if you miss, say, your first 10, 11 shots, and as long as you get the next, what, one or two went master crunch time, right? And his play throughout the tournament and his ability, we talked about, he can just zip through lanes within a second or two. That's just yeah. how quick he is at penetrating the lane and setting up teammates and kicking it out to, say, Franz Wagner. But the other good part as well that has really accommodated Germany throughout this World Cup is the return, of course, with Franz Wagner from the ankle injury. And it's relieved a lot of the ball duties off Schroeder in a way, and so they're able to alternate in terms of who's the point guard. And, of course, France during last last couple of seasons with the Orlando Magic has played point forward, and that's really accommodated what they've been able to do on offense. And the same thing as well for Germany this tournament. And what else I was about to touch on too with that game that Der Schroeder had, right, where he just completely could not get the ball through the hoop, was that I might divert a little bit, but Jerry Stackhouse had a very similar game against Toronto in the fifth and deciding game of the 2002 Eastern Conference playoffs in the first round against the Toronto Raptors when I think he missed his first 10 shots of the game and he hit that jump of about a minute 50 left. And that's just a, it's not a great comparison, but just one I want to put out there. So we end up both uh, back at Germany versus Serbia, the World Cup final. They've played once in World Cup history. It was a one-point win in double overtime to Germany back in 2010. Uh, but Serbia have uh, the last two victories in the Eurobasket FIBA. Uh, sorry, I've, I've blundered that entire sentence. But the last two victories in 2011 and 2015. Um, I started writing out the stats for each team ahead of this show uh, just to compare, and they're both really similar. There's, there's no almost no splitting them. Um, so it should be a really good game. I think it's the late game tonight, Australia time. So if you're catching this 10.30 game, try and watch a replay if you can in the morning. The third place game is the US playing Canada. The US have a 21-1 and record against Canada, and that one loss was in 2005 when the US had a team of D-League players. Literally, I went back, and that's how they reported it in 2005 as a bunch of D-League and overseas players. I want to pick Canada so bad for a bronze medal. Um, both teams already qualified for the Olympics. I'm almost positive of um, any picks in this game or the World Cup finale, guys. Yeah, I'm hoping the Canadians secure the bronze medal, Alex. They've done so many. Dylan things Brooks right. is just going to be so annoying to every American player if he wins <laughs> oh, the bronze yeah, medal. Oh yeah, come the NBA says, I got my medal, everyone. Yeah. I got my medal. I'm going to. Give it to you right now. He's going to be like infuriating. What Thompson did to him. Remember during that regular season yep. game at Golden State where he just went like this? <laughs> Sorry, down. That was funny. Yeah. So, you know, what they were, what they be able to accomplish from the very first game when they dismantled France, 95-65, and although they couldn't make any headway against Serbia in the semifinal, and I think Jay Hernandez, their coach, talked about it where they're – just poorest defense was the difference in the end, and they just kept laying open all these wide open threes. But that was also a testament to Serbia's splendid ball movement, right? They were able to penetrate the lanes. They were able to kick it out, right? Just those points in differential where they were able to 
get it out to Bogdan Bogdanovic for open threes and just, oh, Goodrich as well had a great game too for Serbia. So I think they'll be able to clean up on those areas hopefully tonight. But of course, the big difference I think as well is we sort of know about it for a long period of time, but it's isolation ball and hero ball and not really buying into the system and almost feels as though some players have to take it on their own and not share the sugar in that terminology that's used when you're on the offensive end. So that's going to be a real intriguing part to see what plays out between USA and Canada. And we've seen with Germany and also with Serbia, ball movement has been such an archetype for both sides, especially Germany in the semifinal where I think they had about, what, 30 assists on the game. And that really was such a big, part of why they're able to have that success against the USA only a couple of days ago. So it should be an absolutely belter of a contest, both of them as well. And I think rebounding is going to really matter a lot as well because Serbia do have size as well, but also they've got lethal three-point shooting. So that's going to be a big key. Tom, you got picks? Yeah, I'm going to be a bit boring, but I'm going to have to go with USA and Germany. I, I, I think America will uh, have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after that loss and will come out a bit more firing. Um, although, you know, overall, very disappointing that they're not in the final. And, you know, if I'm uh, a center in the NBA, I'm uh, pointing out this team and going, this is why we're important. Because, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., only three rebounds versus Germany, averaged 2.9 rebounds a game. Um, and look, this is probably why when Stephen Adams got injured last year, that Memphis just went on that slow decline and uh, showed how important he was to that team. So, yeah, I, I think they'll still beat Canada because Canada don't really have a centre themselves. Uh, and then Germany, I just think... The Kelly Olenek slander. <laughs> but I'll always cherish that Game 7 against the Wizards, but other than that, good for Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and then, look, Germany, I, I think they're really strong. Uh, they're so informed. I mean, they haven't lost all tournament. And, mm. you know, Trudeau probably will have, like, another 15 and 10 game or something like that. Daniel Tice, get get, get it back out there, you know, starting... starting uh, so yeah, a bit of a renaissance in the Tice era, but uh, yeah, I think Germany will have it. All right, uh, that makes it for a quick show. Yuri, you want to touch on Jaron Jackson Jr.? Really yeah, quickly? there's one more thing that Tom touched on extremely well too, him only having three rebounds. He's never been a great rebounder though. For a guy who has so much length and tremendous shot blocking, it's really strange, right? You look through his numbers right from his rookie year, I think in 2018-19, and it's only been roughly around six and a half, like seven. I think. Yeah. Just I wonder how much that is playing with Stephen mm. Adams um, for that period of time, but mm, something to watch. It's, it's also, yeah. you know, you kind of sacrifice the rebounds when you go up for blocks. Yeah, you know? that defensive True. positioning he is, I mean, defensive player of the year for a reason, right? So he is doing something different from the rest of the league and to get into different positions that affect the block shots. So you're right there, Tom, but yeah, strange. It was like Brooke Lopez too. Remember with the Brooklyn Nets, and especially when Reggie Evans, when they signed him up and Reggie played a big part in Brooks' development in being more tougher when it comes to playing against opposition centers. Guys, his size and have a variety of skill sets. And that's where Reggie tremendously helped him, especially rebounding right. And I think there was a video done, I think, back in 2013 with Wilson Chandler, one of the players as well, the former Denver Nuggets small forward. And he was asked about Reggie Evans' rebounding. He was just like, you don't want to be in the way of him because he was just grabbing him from all sides of the floor. He was just... He just out-muscle you for the rebound. Even though he was undersized for a power forward at six foot eight and 245 pounds, I'm pretty sure, was Reggie Evans' whole listing. But he was incredibly just 
beast mode on the glass. And that's where he helped Brook Lopez. And even though I think Brook in his only all-star appearance back in 2013 averaged about 6.9 rebounds, but it was all due to Reggie's rebounding where he just cleaned up the boards, which I think really sort of covered away from Brook's deficiencies on that end. And I think also that's a big part too with Memphis missing Stephen Adams from, I think it was, what, January 22nd last season with that PCO injury for the remainder of the campaign that it really sort of found out in terms of Memphis's rebounding woes, even though the Grizzlies are such a great rebounding team and losing Brandon Clark didn't help matters with that. Both Achilles of them, yeah. March, yeah. Take those two away. And I think when does Clark return back to the Grizzlies? Probably, what, January, you think, at this stage or February, depending on what timeline Memphis have for him? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Memphis is going to be missing a lot of players to start the season. John Moran, uh, probably still Stephen Adams. We haven't heard an update of the timeline. Brent Clark. Want to keep watching. All right, we're going to round out the quick show today. Um, Luka Doncic will lead all scorers, um, 27 points per game in the FIBA World Cup. Jordan Clarkson right behind him at 26, but the betting favorite at the start of the uh, the contest was Anthony Edwards with 18 points a game. He's in 17th, so the betting makers got it wrong there. Um Luca told reporters this morning, I'm not sure if either of you saw that he's dealing with a leg injury um, and that he's not okay. So just quickly, um, Yuri and Tom, if you've got anything here, Luca's looked in good shape. He had a game uh, overnight where he had nine turnovers, that being said. But anything on that leg injury concerning you? I think there was a game or two ago where he put up a bit proppy at various stages. It might be against Canada. I think. Yeah, he did. That was the first thing that came to my mind. You're you're right there. He's um if you haven't been watching Slovenia, he's in more shape than he was at the end of last season. But yeah, leg injury. Something to to keep watching of. Um Luca has scored two hundred points in this World Cup. So I've got a quiz for you too. He is one of eleven players in international history to do so. I'm not gonna ask you to name all eleven like I would mid season, because there are some strange names like 1970 World Cup, Shindong Pa for Korea. I don't want you to go that deep. I'm oh only going to ask you the three most recent players to score 200 points in a World Cup. I'll even give you the years and their teams. So in 2002 and 2006, this German player scored 200 points in each World Cup. Surely Dirk Nowitzki? It's Dirk Nowitzki. Okay. In 2010, this American player scored more than 200 points in a World Cup. Carmelo Anthony? No. Right team, wrong player. Very early in his career, I might even dare say, uh, off the top of my head, might have been his second year in the league. Still in the active in the league now. Steph Curry? No, has played for more than one team. Almost very famously so. It's not Jeff Green. It's not Jeff Green. <laughs> uh, this player is a top 20 player of all time. Durant? It's Kevin Durant. Yeah, you're correct. I was like trying to think. I was trying to remember if he was drafted in 2007 or 2008, but uh, I'll, I'll, we were close. And I think this is the hardest one. Um, 2010, so same year as Durant, this player uh, scored more than 200 points in the World Cup for Argentina. Manu Ginobili? No, it's not Manu. Oh, I know, I, I know who it is. I just can't remember the name. If I help, it uh, used to play <laughs> for the Lakers. Used to play for the Lakers. I think. Maybe I'm misremembering that. I'm going to quickly look that up while you guys <laughs> struggle to guess. Uh, if you yeah, play along at home. 
Argentinian, born April 30th, 1980 in Buenos Aires. Louis Scola. It is Louis Scola. Yeah, I'm just I'm almost positive he played for the Lakers, but maybe I just he played completely made that up. Paces too. You know what it was? He played for the Raptors, and I've just completely yeah. stuffed that up. So no, he never played for the Lakers. Not once. He played for the Rockets, the Suns, the Pacers, the Raptors, and the Nets before we went overseas. Oh, and do you know what else, Alex? During that 2009 Western Conference semifinal between the Lakers and Rockets, when Derek Fisher set that hard screen on him, remember he got ejected from the game. <laughs> On Louis Scola. See, that's why I knew D Fish was in there somewhere. So I, yeah. just, I thought like it was, I'll give you that. I'll give you Louis Scola. So, look, the other names on this list are like just uh, Drazen Petrovic, obviously, for Yugoslavia. Uh, they did it a yeah. couple times, but like Nico Gallus, a couple of stuff I'm not even going to try and pronounce with the phlegm that COVID's got me. But, um, you know, fun little quiz to end today's show. Anything else you guys want to touch on? Um, I don't know what's going to happen next week, but we might not even have anything to talk about on the show. We might have to do something creative, but a um, bit of a dead spot in the NBA season, although we probably are less than three weeks away from um, camps starting to yeah back, right? Let's get innovative, hey? Maybe a few more quizzes along the way too. I'll sort you. Do- Yuri's going to win every quiz. I think we know that. Oh, so no. I've got to make it difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. All right, Tom, anything else you want to touch on? Just, uh, just, just one thing on the American fans. Uh, they, they, they clearly aren't just contempt with uh, the teams that, that they have and the players they have. Because there's been a few uh, mentions on a, a podcast I was listening to and a few Twitter fans saying, uh, "Oh, Embiid's eligible to become an American oh. citizen and uh, join the team." I'm like, uh, seriously, guys, like get out of here. You don't need Embiid. You've got some of the best players in the world. Like, are you seriously telling me you're that afraid of not getting gold at the Olympics? You need Embiid as your center, like. No, like let's cut that out, America. That's interesting for France. So uh, Embiid, um, native to Cameroon, I don't think they they could still qualify, but they haven't qualified for either of these, the World Cup or the Olympics. Um, could play for France next to Victor Wembanyama. I'm just putting that out there. Yuri, is that what you were trying to mention? Oh, there's one more thing too with the USA. And LeBron James reportedly has put his hand up to play next year's Paris Olympics. Old man. Uh, he, he put... He put- <laughs> He put the eye, the eyes emoji on. Uh, yeah, someone was like, "Oh, redeem team, whatever." He did the same in twenty uh, twenty twenty one. He's not, he's not going to come out and play. Uh, I, yeah. He'd be a he's culture guy. That'd be his like what twenty first year in the league. He'd be a culture guy. Oh, surely. He'd be like Jason Kidd in 2008, right, <laughs> when they called him back up after his, his <laughs> USA Olympic gold team in 2000, call him up for the redeem team. Yeah, look, we better end the show or I'm going to start getting into the Australians and who they should pick and whether or not Ben Simmons <laughs> should be on that Olympic roster, which is, I don't, again, we're going to end the show before we start having that conversation. All right, thanks a lot, Yuri. Thanks a lot, Tom. Uh, see you back here same time next week. Awesome. Thanks, Great Alex. chatting, Alex.